A reading from the third chapter of James, beginning with verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Reading from the 8th chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, beginning with verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
So we're talking about the tongue and words today. I've seen some words this week that have caused me to have that same kind of remembrance of pain that maybe you felt when you saw those images of airplanes flying into buildings 20 years ago yesterday. I've seen a lot of never forget and then I've wondered, but aren't, isn't it healthy for us if we move on? I've seen some people say, I can never forgive, and I hear my Lord in my ears saying, but David, you must forgive. It's who I called you to be. It's who my people are. My people are people who forgive. And then I hear myself, yes, but Lord, they did horrible things. Have you had any of those conversations with yourself this week? You know what I realized as I was thinking about that? All of those actions began with words. They didn't begin when the airplane hit the tower. They began with words. Words that were filled with hatred and not life. Words that were filled with death. Those things were a forest fire set ablaze by tongues not surrendered to the risen Christ. And unless we would think that we're being critical of other people's use of their tongues, I think of my own use of my own tongue. I ponder... What all will my daughter say when she's laying on a therapist's couch when she's 50 about the things I said? I think about a friend who early in his life, his dad said to him, you were a never amount to anything. And he worked the rest of his life to hear his dad say that he had done something well. And he didn't hear it until he was an older adult and he took him to see a church that he had built. He was a building contractor. And his dad looked at him and said, I guess I was wrong about you. I thought about a cartoon I saw one time that showed a mother standing behind her daughter and a big long tongue was coming out of her mouth going through the back of the daughter's head and out the daughter's mouth. And I thought about the way our words shape our children. And I realized that James is right about our tongue. It's flat dangerous, isn't it? I remember when I was a kid, they would tell me sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know what? Them idiots were wrong. Because <laughs> the things that kids said to us when we were little hurt, didn't they? The things that our parents said to us that maybe weren't encouraging. Don't you still carry those things around sometimes? Don't, aren't those the things that come into your mind when you fail or when you say something that sounds just as bad? I was blessed. I got the gold medal winner of best parents ever. But there are still times when I remember my mom saying something to me that hurt. But all through my life, when she would send me letters, she always ended them with, keep God first. So there was blessing too. But if we, under, if we, mis, if we misunderestimate, if we underestimate the power of the tongue, we miss James's point today. What James is wanting for us is to let our tongue be hitched to that living faith that's in you. To let your tongue become something that works for good. If he's telling us that the tongue can do both, that the tongue can both light fires and produce fresh water, that's not exactly opposite, but you get what I mean. 
if he's telling us that the tongue can be used for good and evil purposes, then it must be possible that somehow our tongue can grow toward the good or this isn't gospel at all. It's not good news to tell us that our tongues are always enslaved to our temper and the things that spill out of us. But rather... What I want to hear is that as my heart is transformed by the gospel, as the Holy Spirit works in my life to heal me of my slavery to sin and death, as God works in me to transform my mind and my heart and renew my soul, then blessings will spill out of me in the way that Jesus said to the Pharisees. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Any Bible scholars? Speaks. Remember that? He was having a disagreement with them and they said, well, we know what you are. You're the chief of demons. You're Beelzebub and you're throwing demons out by Beelzebub. And he told them, you guys are crazy. I'm paraphrasing. And he said to them that their speech was limited by their hearts. They were unwilling to hear the good news. So I ask you, church, are you willing today to hear the good news that your life can be healed? That whatever is broken in you, whatever is residual in you that was created in you by a first grade teacher, second grade teacher, your parents, a neighbor, some bully on the schoolyard, whatever anxieties and hurts that you have in you can be healed by your Father in heaven and made right. And that they don't have to spill out into your children and grandchildren's lives in anger because they reminded you of something that happened to you. Or even worse, you're not getting your way. Do you hear what I'm saying there? Sometimes the things that spill out of us, spill out of us because we're angry at somebody else and we haven't dealt with it. Or because we're not getting our way. Have you ever been in a discussion with your spouse and your spouse said, well, you always say that. Nobody ever always says anything, do we? What's happening there is that same reaction to something that's happened to us in the past that we haven't allowed to be touched and healed by the good news that death and sin are done. That Jesus has defeated both in the cross. And so we're called to lift the cross and say that the Messiah has come, the one who would liberate us from all of those things that drag us next to the scorching fires of hell. He has freed us. He has freed us. But James would let us know that our tongue can steer, steer, steer that ship right back to where we were before. Right back to where we were before. You ever read a novel? Anybody? I like novels. I think my favorite novels to read were Stephen King novels, and finally he just got a little too weird for me. He wrote a novel called The Stand that I promise you for about the first year of COVID, I felt like that thing was coming true. Like he had foretold the future. And what I remember about reading his books is that his words created a world that if you kept reading the book, you were forced to inhabit that world. And by the world that he was creating in your thoughts, you are constantly checking your world against him and reminding yourself there is no vending machine that's going to throw out a bottle of Diet Coke and kill me. It's not going to happen. Y'all didn't read Tommy Knockers? 
But in that way, novelists create words. Dear ones, we create words, worlds with our words too. The narratives that we speak create worlds that other people have to inhabit. They may not affect us. We might be able to say all the mean things we want to to other people and it doesn't affect us for a dime's worth of monkeys. But here's the reality. If you say ugly things to other people, you are creating a reality for them that they cannot escape. If you say hurtful things to other people about their weight, their color, their clothes, or anything, about anything that they do or say, if you're constantly hurtful to someone, then you are creating in them a sense that no one loves them in the world. And that, we know, is a worthless novella because of Christ. But still, if we speak those words, that's what they think. And what do they think if a people called to serve the one who showed God's love by dying for them is hurtful and ugly to them? What if they look at you and say, I believe this person goes to Manning United Methodist Church, but look how they're treating me with their tongue. Will they ever believe that your God loves them? You create a world for them in which your faith is a dead face and a false faith and a false faith and a false God. Because our words create worlds. Our words create reality. What is it that people say? Perception is the truth. That what somebody thinks is true becomes so true for them that sometimes they can't hear anything else. What in the world are we to do to avoid this happening to us? How do we get the, the bridle in our tongue? How do we get our tongue to be whole and healthy? I think that it's a process because I know that Friday afternoon I dropped my ATV four-wheeler trailer on my toes and I said ugly stuff. <laughs> and I would like to think that that's not really in there. You know what I mean? But according to Jesus, that, I, 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 that whatever pours out of me in that moment when I'm like full of whatever angst or anger or whatever's there is stuff that's really in me that needs to be healed. So I have to take it seriously. So I ask myself, what can I do? What can I do about my tongue that can both speak blessing and set a forest on fire or ruin somebody's life? What can I do about my miserable tongue? And the truth is, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> but I can turn it over to Jesus, who can do something about it. And I wonder, how do I do that? How do I do that? I hope y'all are still with me. Man, we've been on a little bit of a convoluted trail. We started with words ending up in buildings on fire, talked about setting fire to other people with our words, and now we're moving into the idea of how can our tongue be quenched. And I think this is how. Worship. I think that's how we do it. God has given us this gift of coming here and using our tongue to praise God. And I think that the more we worship, the more our tongues become leashed to that living faith in us that doesn't want to see other people's lives destroyed but results in pure religion which is the care of those who are hurting. Remember when James said that to us a couple weeks ago? Worship tames the tongue. Worship directs our speech toward God. 
And what happens when we direct our speech toward God is we realize that we are not the center of the universe. And that what someone has done to me doesn't give me the right to lash out at someone else. And that not everybody has to live up to my standards and I don't have to say everything that I think about what they do. Worship heals us, dear ones. Because in worship, we are drawn into the presence of the living God who is life itself. Think about the things we do in worship. We confess. We confess that we're sinful and that we need a Savior. We admit, just like Peter, that you are the Messiah. And it means something to us and it matters. And we say it over and over and over and believe that He has come to save us from our sins. Don't you think that has an impact on how you're going to treat other people? The more you hear that you're sinful and that you need a Savior and that you have one, the more you're going to realize that other people act out of their sinfulness as well. And the more you're going to be willing to forgive them and the more you're going to be willing to speak peace into their lives instead of cursing. Confession has that effect on us. And then the act of forgiveness. We forgive one another for sin in the church. Do you know that Jesus breathed on the disciples and he said to them, whatever you forgive is forgiven and whatever you do not forgive is not forgiven. Jesus gave to the church the authority to say to one another, your sins are forgiven. I hear that you've been through a tough time. Yes, I have. What happened? I did this. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Do you believe you're forgiven? Yes, I do. You're forgiven. You have the right to say that to each other in your daily conversations. Not just at church in our communion liturgy, but every day. You can speak the good news to each other that you are forgiven, that nothing you have done will be held against you at the judgment because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And because of your faith in Him. And so your tongue is loose to speak forgiveness. And because you know that you have been forgiven, your tongue is loose, dear ones, to proclaim the good news. That the death and resurrection of Jesus have brought forth the new creation. That the new reality, the kingdom of God is present now. That people don't have to walk around in the muck and darkness of hatred and death, setting buildings on fire and destroying lives with their tongues. And that proclamation gives way to instruction. Because sooner or later, people respond to the good news of Christ. And then they need to be taught how to use their tongue to speak the blessings of God over other people's lives. And there's where James's warning is. Beware, teachers. Speak the truth. He's calling them to speak right doctrine, to speak the matters of Christ truthfully. And the other thing that we do constantly in the church is we affirm our faith. As I thought about that, I was reminded of John Wesley's little struggle with his own religion. You know, he was a pastor and didn't believe he was saved for a while. A preacher, a priest is what he technically was called. He didn't even know if he knew God at all. And he was struggling with faith and somebody told him, you know, John, preach faith till you have it and when you have it, preach faith. He was telling him to speak the faith with his tongue. And as we come to faith in Christ and continue to speak about that faith and speak about that faith and profess it using the creeds of all things, 
those things become nearer to our own hearts and tame the tongue and they show us the joy of speaking blessing over people instead of death. All of these things are worship. Speaking of the worth of God tames the fire that is in our tongue. It transforms our heart and allows us to see every person we come into contact with as a person that the risen Lord died for. And the more we become aware of that, the less likely we will be to abuse people with our tongue and to bless God instead. I hope that makes sense. It helped me as I thought about it because I realized that I'm not there yet. I sometimes say bad things about people. None of y'all. But every once in a while I hear myself say something bad about a politician because I pretty much can't stand any of them. And every once in a while I hear myself say something bad about a preacher that I think is just milking congregations for money or speaking things that aren't true. And I really don't want to be that person, you know. I want to be a person that speaks light and wholeness to everyone that I come in contact with. I want to be a person who never breaks somebody's spirit with my tongue. And so what I'm committing to today, and I hope you'll commit to as well, is more worship. Not just here when we're gathered here, but to sing the songs of God. You've got a favorite hymn, even if you only know one line of it. Sing it once a day. Be sure you're praying. Use your tongue to praise God in prayer. Thank God for what He's done for you. Thank God for what God has done for your children and your grandchildren or your neighbor or even better, for what God has done for your enemy. Thank God for the love that He's shown us in Christ. And thank God for the opportunity that you have every day to tell somebody else about that transforming love. And dear ones, I think if we commit to do that together, what we will be is a community whose tongue is getting closer and closer and closer to being tamed and becoming a tool in the hands of an almighty God. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Let's commit to those things. Amen? Amen.